what's up? Welcome to Mix in America. I am Josh Cohen. This is episode 20. I am titling it Final Thoughts because this will be my last episode, at least for a little while. Um, I don't know what uh, I'm going to end up doing in the future. There's a decent chance that I start a season two at some point, um, but I'm not going to promise that. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to pause right now. After this episode, I'm going to rest, kind of reassess. I'm not going to make any expectations, but um, I'm really happy that I did this. I got a lot of stuff out that I wanted to get out. Had some great, amazing conversations with some people. So we'll see where things go. If I can get some more conversations going. If there's more stuff I want to say, I might start a season two at some point, like I said. But for now, I'm calling these final thoughts. This is my last episode. I did 20. This is number 20. So um, I think it had a good run. I, I liked what I did. I'm proud of what I put out. Um, so if you have not heard all of these, especially if this is the first one you've listened to, then go back, listen to all of them. I'm obviously a little biased, but I think they're all really good. And I think I think there was a lot of a lot of good a lot of good conversations started um, and had not just by me, um, but the people, the guests that I had on, especially. Um, but obviously, I, I like what I said too. Obviously, I wouldn't have said it if I didn't agree with it. So I think there's some good stuff in there that I would encourage you to go back and listen to them, even if you listened to them before. I know that some of those, like the one with Shawnee, with Vince, um, Ryan and Angela, obviously the one with my wife, a lot of good stuff in there that was deep that uh, you might have missed the first time. So go back, listen a second time, maybe tell your friends. But, you know, I accomplished my goal, set out to get just get some thoughts out there and start some conversations. Uh, that's what I did. So today in my final episode, um, of what maybe is called season one, but of my final episode, episode 20, I just kind of want to review kind of what we've talked about and what I've learned during these uh, conversations and during these uh, 20 episodes, 20 weeks, and then give you some kind of final parting thoughts before I'm done. So if we take a look back, we go to episode one titled Ain't No Intro, this is the entree. I talked about why I started this right after the death of George Floyd right here in Minneapolis. Um, kind of what I was thinking, what I was feeling at the time. Um, and the goal was to start conversations and to share conversations. Honestly, I felt like I've always felt all my life like I've had a lot to say on race relations. Um, but I'm not really sure anyone would listen because I'm not that black. And I talked about it in that episode that I decided to just do it anyways. So that's what this podcast is all about is me not caring that I'm not that black, right? I'm only half black. I'm mixed. Mom's black. My dad's white. But I um, decided to put it all out there. And whether people listen or not, I'm just going to put it out there. So if my takeaway from that first episode, maybe it's just that, is that if you have something to say, say it, get it out there. Who cares if people are going to listen or not? You can't be worried about the response, what it's going to be. But, but starting these conversations, having these conversations is important. Uh, episode two, I titled, what are you? I got that question a lot growing up. Honestly, I still kind of do sometimes. Um, but if you want to listen back to that, you can hear about my story growing up. You know, briefly, when I share my story, I talk about um, the first time I ever really thought about race was in kindergarten. And an older kid said that my doll, sorry, my action figure, not a Cabbage Patch doll. It was a really cool action figure. Um, but he called it the N-word. First time I heard that word, first time I really thought about because darker skin meant something different. My mom told me. Uh, some people are going to hate. Don't let that hate keep you down. And so that was just, that was really my first thought conversation about race was like, it it, it didn't make sense to me, you know, why anyone would think anything different 
of anyone else because of the color of their skin. My mom had darker skin than my dad, and all of us kids were somewhere in between. I had cousins that were all black, all white, mixed cousins like me. It just was what it was, and we were all different shades, and that's kind of what I thought growing up. Race was never really an issue to me. I had different shades all around me all the time. Uh, Episode 3 was called White Privilege. Basically, I was talking about how uh, white privilege was pretty much a curse word in my house, Uh, not only because my mom came from what you would say a better household. She was set up better for success. Uh, Her parents stayed married. She went to a private school. All her family did private education, college educated. Um, So by you would say she was better set up for success and she was the black parent. So, but also white privilege kind of implies like a black disadvantage, like you're lesser because of the color of your skin. And that's not, we were not taught that as a kid. And I don't think that's a healthy way to teach a child. Um, What I talk about in this uh, episode three was that um, I believe that privilege is a spectrum that we all have certain advantages and disadvantages in life, whether it is the color of your skin. Cause I do think there is um, some things like when, you know, what do they say that learning about racism versus experiencing racism is a privilege. I get that. You know, I, I, there is some people that might treat you differently if your skin's a little bit darker. So I get there is some privilege involved, but um, there's also privilege to, you know, if your parents were successful, if your parents are, are well known, there's a lot of different things that can give you privilege and set you up in life. Um, someone once said at a church service, actually told the congregation, but I, I remember hearing this, that life that they think of privilege as a spectrum and you could be a lot of, a lot of, you could be anywhere on that scale to depend on a whole lot of things whether it's the color of your skin or where you grew up or whatever your last name is. And what this guy was saying, what I what I believe, what I'll say is that um, if you have any advantages, then you should use those advantages to help anyone that might be less fortunate for, for whatever that is, you know, um, across the board. I truly believe in that uh, and helping those that, that are less fortunate. Uh, even if you don't have, you know, I don't have as much fortune, uh, as much privilege as some other people, right? I didn't grow up super wealthy, Whatever that is, but I do have more privilege than some people. Um, my parents were together, got to go to a private school. Um, as much as I don't think I'm, you know, rolling in cash, I'm doing better financially than other people, and I and I can do my part to help out. And I believe that's important. I believe we all should do that. Episode four is titled "I Wish I Was Black." Uh, I talk about identity issues that are very much real when you're mixed growing up. Identity issues are real for anyone, right? But being mixed like me when you're, I talked about being the minority in every room you're in, right? Pretty much always the minority except for in my own family where my three siblings are mixed like me and then my dad's white, my mom's black. So we have an even number. My takeaway, I guess, from that episode would be that we all struggle with identity, but I believe that you are who God created you to be, exactly who he created you to be, and you should be proud of who you are, especially if you feel like you don't fit in a box, because that means God created you unique for a unique purpose. So I think it's great that I don't fit in a box, that that I can't be told that I'm this or I'm that, and that I'm unique, and I love it. And I'm proud to be um, really one of the older mixed people in America. Like, there's not a lot of uh, people older than me of mixed race. My parents really were pioneers in that fact, Uh, which episode five, I brought my parents on. My first guest were my parents called Interracial Dating in the 70s. And they talked, we had a conversation just about growing up, 
dating, getting, they dated in high school in the seventies, got married in late seventies, had four uh, mixed kids in the eighties. And there wasn't a lot of interracial couples. There wasn't a lot of mixed kids uh, for us growing up. My takeaway from that was really just how my parents weren't bothered um, and how it really wasn't a big deal to them. I don't think they really got that it was, it was a big deal at the time, which, but I think it's, I think it's great that they don't see it as a big deal, that they see each other as people. And that is a testament to way they, the way they were raised and to the kind of people that they are and the way they raised me is that they never made a big deal about, and they never thought of it as a big deal that she was marrying a white guy, that he was marrying a black woman. But it, but it just wasn't a big deal to them, and that's a big deal. But also, maybe it says that, that people aren't as racist as we all think. Maybe, maybe it's not that bad out there. Maybe we make a bigger deal out of these things than they actually are. Or maybe they just didn't notice because they didn't care. Maybe they just weren't looking for it, they just didn't care. Um, so it wasn't a big deal to them. And either way, they're happy. So there's definitely a lesson in that as well. Episode six, I got to move a little bit quicker here. I'm taking a long time just going through these. These are just supposed to be a quick reviews. And if you are interested in this, then go back and listen to the whole thing. But episode six was titled That Word. Uh, I told you the first time I ever heard the N-word. I was in kindergarten. Um, I don't ever use the word. I will never use it. A good way to define race for me or my experience uh, being mixed in America was that I was in college. A buddy of mine who was black was in my dorm room. Uh, we were playing Madden. And he had another friend come over and he introduced me as this is Josh. He's half black, so he can say the N word. He won't, but he can, just so you know. I mean, that defines my experience in a nutshell of being mixed in America. Of um, one, he had to tell people I was black. Two, but some reason that, that allows me to say a certain word that normally, if he didn't know I was black, would be offended by me saying that word. So I just don't ever use the word. I hate it. I think it just has so much hatred and was used to oppress my ancestors and tell them that they're less than human. So why would I want to use that? I guess I can see why um, black people would want to use it to sort of unify and like identify like the struggle. Like I see you, you're my inward and I, and I see you, but to me, it's just too much hate. And then you have these complicated unwritten rules about who can say it and who can't. Right, rappers will use it in their songs, but then if white people sing along, like that's not okay. I don't. To me, it's just not worth it. There's no reason to ever use it. Episode seven was titled "Talking Race with a White Girl." That was my wife joined me, so my favorite guest I've ever had. Obviously, my wife. She's amazing. Um, talked with her experience. Even though she grew up in a super loving, accepting family, they didn't really have conversations about race because they were white, so they didn't have to. Um, but she talked about how she leaned in, how she's educated herself. I joke that my white wife is way more woke than I am these days. And and really her perspective uh, as a white person who's married to into a black family who has obviously close friends uh, and family now that are black and how she's educated herself, not just with books and movies, but, but with conversations with people that she knows and cares about. Uh, and now even though racism may not affect you directly, it affects those you care about, and so it should matter because people you because it matters to people you care about. Episode eight was titled "Police Brutality." Um, my mom taught me to obey police because they have a hard job and they're probably frustrated. So don't give them a reason to get their frustrations out on you. 
and and that's really what what I want you to take away maybe from that police brutality episode is that it's a hard job and if we can I would inter- my interaction with police would probably go different if I really thought about and put myself in their shoes on how difficult that job was and the people that they have to deal with all day every day um it's a tough job so maybe be a little more patient with them um and then the same thing if 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 cops could empathize and and understand what what black people might be feeling when police show up they might react a different way as well right so that one ended up being a lot about empathy um but I also I talk about a conversation I had with the local police chief here in the town I live Osseo and ultimately the takeaway from that is most cops are good but also most black people are good too so let's not paint with a broad brush um that if you see one black criminal that means they're all criminals or you see one over aggressive cop that they're all like that episode nine of the third option which is uh, pastor miles mcpherson's book he was the pastor of our church in san diego um that title is because you don't have to choose sides which i love because i literally can't right if you're going black versus white i i can't choose a side i'm i'm both right i just can't that's who i am uh, my biggest takeaway from that book is in-group bias just that we all have in-groups and therefore we all have in-group bias so in-group Quick example, he the the one that he gives, uh, he's a he was a professional athlete. He was working out with a professional hockey player, and they had this in group of professional athletes, but they had an out group of hockey versus football. And so when they were talking sports and being an athlete, they were in the same in group. But when they, he started talking hockey specifically, that was Miles's out group. And so in group bias is just that we automatically relate to and get along better with our in-group. Just naturally, that's how it is. It's not necessarily a bad thing, although I think we can all do more to include our out-group, but that's just a normal way of life. You can go back and listen to that episode, or you can even read the book, Third Option by Miles McPherson. Fantastic book. Highly recommend it. Episode 10 I titled Mixed in Corporate America. It was with my cousin Kellen, who's also mixed like me, works at Target Corporate, and we talked about growing up and identity stuff too. But also his role in this um, diversity committee, I forget what he calls it, at Target and what Target is doing um, for diversity. One takeaway for me was kind of just growing your circle. Like minorities aren't getting hired for high positions, maybe not because of like overt racism, but because they just aren't in the right circles of influence. So they're not getting seen. But you don't need to hire a less qualified person because they're a minority. But if you expand your, your search and your influence then you might find some very qualified minorities who bring a different perspective and you just didn't see them before. So we talked a little bit about that in corporate America. Episode 11 is taking a knee, talking about Colin Kaepernick and the mixing of sports and politics. And really all I want to say about this is that there's a lot of opinions about athletes using their platforms, but I think it usually depends on what they're supporting, right? If they agree with you, you like it. If you don't agree with them, then you hate it and you think they need to keep uh, politics out of sports. I also talk about Cap's like actual career and how things went. Um, I don't believe, and if you listen to it, I, I don't believe that he's out of the league strictly because of his kneeling because he's probably good enough to be a backup, but nobody wants a backup QB that gets that much attention, right? Good or bad. They just don't want that much media attention from their backup. I, I would say similar to Tim Tebow. Whether you agree with him or not, um, probably good enough to be a backup or a third stringer in the NFL but not worth the headache, not worth the attention that they would get from a backup quarterback. Episode 12 was titled From Maple Grove to Montreal. 
Talked with Canadian uh, Football League receiver Jake Winicky and his wife Brenda. She's black from Africa. They met at Maple Grove High School. He plays football now for the Montreal Alouettes. Um, and they just had a little mixed baby. So my big takeaway from that was just two different cultures coming together, working together. Um, it was it was it was cool to hear their story and the way their their families um, interacted and, and came together. But then also my they were just both really full of wisdom. Like I had a lot of great stuff to say. So you do need to listen to that one and probably take notes. Um, but my takeaway from that was actually something he said about God created you the way he wanted to create you like with a purpose. Um, like they were talking about their, he was talking about their mixed kid and how he um, is going to instill in him that he is exactly the way that God created him exactly the way he's supposed to be for his specific purpose. Uh, that hit home with me being mixed myself. I, I truly believe that everything about me, including the color of my skin, was God-given, designed on purpose. Episode 13 was called Deeper Than Skin Color. Is my conversation with Pastor Thomas Williams. Uh, he's one of the pastors at our uh, church's St. Paul campus. Uh, we talked a lot about a lot of stuff. I've known Thomas for a long time, so great conversation. But one thing that stuck out to me was this idea of what is blackness, quote-unquote blackness. What does that actually mean? What does that look like? How do you define that? Uh, He's from the suburbs, plays hockey. So he was often told he wasn't, quote, black enough. So that was a big part of that conversation, but also the idea of feeling supported. Um, Like that's one thing, one takeaway. White people, if you can just be there and be supportive, like listen and support your black friends right now. Like don't argue, don't distance yourself, like lean in and support them. Like he was saying, that's one thing that he just wants to feel supported. And I've heard that from a lot of minorities right now, want to feel heard and supported like you're there for me. Episode 14, Times Are Changing, is a conversation with another good friend, Kanisha. She also talked about some of those similarities of not being quote unquote black enough. Um, But what stood out to me from her and my takeaway from her conversation was that her parents experienced some pretty tough racism growing up when they grew up in the South um, and they were intentional about giving their kids a better life. And she talked about how her and her husband Landon will make sure that they provide a better life for their kids, even better than what she had. So kind of her parents built off of what they had to give her a better life and she wants to do the same thing for her kids. And even though she had it pretty good, she wants it to be even better for her children who are going to be mixed because her husband's white. So doing what she can do now to set things up better for her children, whether that be at church, at school, just in the community, uh, in their family. How can she give her kids an even better life than she had? Episode 15 was race and politics. That one probably won't be your favorite one to listen to, but I talk about how blacks aren't allowed to think for themselves. Apparently Democrats think they just own the black vote. Um, And voting in Democrats, Republican politics really isn't that simple. Um, It's a little more complicated than that. So you can go back and listen to hear my thoughts on that one. Episode 16, More Than Charity, was a conversation I had with Shawnee Johnson. Uh, She's the wife of former Gopher wide receiver Ron Johnson. And her daughter, Cameron Johnson, gave us my favorite story of 2020. A lot of terrible news and terrible stuff happening in 2020. Um, But this girl, Cameron, started selling friendship bracelets um, in her front yard and ended up raising money. Um, thousands and thousands of dollars uh, for some local businesses and some th- people recovering from the riots in Minneapolis and really just to help 
it's called more than charity because this this wasn't just about charity. This wasn't about a one-time donation. The bracelets brought communities together and started conversations as well. Like it did a lot of it ended up doing a lot of really cool things. So she had a lot of really great great stuff to say. But one big takeaway for me was just and the reason that I really had her on is because she a conversation I had with her before this about how God has a role for each one of us to play. And it might not be exactly what you think it's going to be, um, but we have a role to play in uh, racial conversations, in unity conversations, in in building your community. Um, we all have a role to play, and it might not be what, what you think it's going to be. Um, she did not expect to, some, to spend her summer braiding friendship bracelets, but that's what God had for her, and it ended up being a great thing. And really good conversation. That's another one you're going to want a notebook and pen for sure um, to take notes. Episode 17, Diversity in the Church, conversation with Vince Freeman. Uh, he's an associate, He's the associate online pastor at Rock Church in San Diego. Uh, he was the young adult pastor when we were there. Joss and I were in San Diego. Um, great conversation just about being a black in America right now, being a black pastor right now, um, and really how the church should be leading these conversations about race and not running from them. That was my big takeaway from from our conversation. But again, a lot of good stuff in that. Episode 18, French Perspective. Friend and coworker Tawende, who is black from Africa, but was adopted by a white family from France. Grew up in France, came to America after high school, um, but she had a great perspective that's very different than just about anybody else on here because she's French. And so she saw things from a very different perspective. The big thing for me in this one was how they teach black history in France. And it seems like, from what she said, they're very open and honest about their mistakes and the role they played in the slave trade, but they seem to do a better job of acknowledging it and trying to learn from it. So there, there's a lesson out of that one is, is let's talk about it. Let's, let's teach it. Let's make sure we all know our history. Let's acknowledge it and try to learn from it. Episode 19 was just last week, A Heart for People with Ryan and Angela Watkins, good friends of mine. Um, have been for a while. They're pastors at our church, and I've wanted them since day one. And they finally were able to sit down and talk with me, and I'm so glad they did. There was a lot to that one. It was the longest one I've done by far, but there's so much good stuff there. So if you need to break it up into two parts, go for it. But um, but please listen to the whole thing because it was really good. But there are two things that I want to pull out of them and remind you and take homes. Is one Angela talked about being white. Uh, and her husband being black, but she talked about being so close to people that you can share their burdens. Like you'll never fully understand what it's like, but she wants to get as close as she can possibly get because she doesn't want her husband or any of her friends or anyone she knows to carry this burden by themselves. Great stuff from Angela and Ryan. And then Ryan said, he talked about three types of racism. And I don't know if these are like official definitions or whatever, but he talked about um, like an evil hatred racism, which is the one that is kind of most talked about, kind of, you know, the worst kind, like burning crosses in the front yard kind of racism, um, and then fear, and then ignorance. And there, and those three, he explains it in detail, go back and listen, but those three are different, and they look different, and you react to them differently. But people don't think of it that way, so they react the same way. Most people react as if the evil hatred racism when really they might be dealing with fear or ignorance. And so I think it's important to to define, um, to determine what, what you're dealing with. Because when you know what you're dealing with, then you know how you can respond. And if you don't know what you're dealing with, there's no way you can respond the right way. 
So now just a couple final thoughts that I want to share that I haven't really talked about in this podcast. Um, I don't didn't want to do a full episode for these things, um, but wanted to make sure these things get said. Um, the first one is if you are looking for racism, you will find it. If you aren't looking, you won't. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if you see racism everywhere you look, you're probably looking too hard. But if you're someone who says you don't see racism or says that racism doesn't exist, you're just ignoring it because it definitely exists. It's not as bad as some people say, but it definitely exists. It's definitely out there. So a way I can kind of explain this is like um, when you're looking for a new car, you see them everywhere when you're looking for them. Did not realize how common that car was. Um, But when you're looking for them, you see them everywhere, right? Think of a car, whatever car it is. My parents drive an Equinox. Look for Chevy Equinoxes. They're everywhere if you're specifically looking for it. Um, That's how racism can be. If you're looking for it, you're going to see it. Um, I have a friend. I'll just say friend. I'm not going to say their name or, or who they are or anything like that. But I have a friend who sees it everywhere. Anytime anyone is rude to them, it's because they're racist. This friend is black. So they think, you know, if, if McDonald's takes too long on their French fries, it's because they're black. Like if the cashier at Target wasn't smiling, it's because they're black. Like they see it everywhere. They told the story about they almost got hit by a car in the parking lot. Like the car backed up and almost hit them. And they said, oh, it was because I was black. I think it might have been because I was black. It's like, well, maybe they just didn't see you. But everything is because they're black. Uh, That person is probably looking too hard. But if you're white from the suburbs and you're like, no, racism doesn't exist. I've never seen it. It's because you're not looking. It's because you don't experience it in your everyday life. But just because you don't experience doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So if you if you see it everywhere all the time and you think everything that happens is because you're black, then you might need to not look so hard and you probably need to learn to just be okay with be confident in who you are and be comfortable in who you are and not accuse every single person of racism. But if you are white from the suburbs and you don't think it exists at all and you've never seen racism before, then I want to challenge you to look a little bit and try to see it and try to empathize with your black friends or with the black people in your life. And maybe you got to go out of your way a little bit because because in your world there isn't a lot of it, but but look for it and try to notice it. Not Not because I need you to be accusing everyone of racism, but because it does exist and you need to acknowledge it and understand it a little bit so that you can help. Another big thing that I want to say that I haven't said, I don't think in any of these podcasts, maybe in some conversations with people, but, but this thing is huge for me is you can say the words black lives matter without supporting the organization. I've had lots of conversations with a lot of people and the words black lives matter should not offend anyone unless you're overtly racist, unless you don't think black lives matters. The black lives do matter. That should not be a controversial statement, should not be a political statement. I personally do not support the organization. If you go to their website and and read what they believe and what they support, which I encourage you to do, uh, find out what the organization supports. Personally, I don't. They don't politically align with what I believe, so I do not give them any money. I do not support them. But saying those three words doesn't like give them money. It's not like if I say the words Black Lives Matter, or it's not like Twitter donates so much money if you hashtag BLM. Like, they don't get money for that. 
I should probably look that up to make sure. But if I say the words Black Lives Matter, they don't get any money for it. It doesn't like that's not controversial. It's a great marketing tool. But bottom line is you can say the words without supporting the organization. There, there's no need to say all lives matter in response, because if you believe all lives matter, then you believe that black lives matter. Right. Because black would be included in the all I was talking to my dad about this. And he said, well, then his response should just be, duh. And I said, yeah, if somebody says Black Lives Matter and you just want to reply with a well, duh, then yeah, absolutely. It should be common sense. Black lives absolutely matter. That's not a controversial statement. You can say those three words in that order without supporting the organization. I want to be very clear about that because that's a big deal. Another thing I want to address is that there seems to be a lot of confusion is this idea of whether or not systemic racism actually exists. Um, And what I've looked up and what I've found a little bit is um, through some research and things is the difference between systemic racism and systematic racism. Because I think a lot of the people that are saying that systemic racism doesn't exist are actually thinking systematic racism and saying systematic racism doesn't exist. And I looked it up and did a little bit of research, and I think there's two actual different definitions from what I found of what systemic racism is and what systematic racism is. Systematic racism is saying that there are systems in place that are keeping people of certain colors down, like systems, laws, rules in place uh, to keep them down, to make uh, it more difficult for a black person or a person of color to, to achieve things, to, to hold jobs, to, to vote, to live in certain areas, to get bank loans. Those sort of things definitely have existed in America in the past, but I don't believe they exist anymore. Those laws have been changed, right? Thanks to Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. Um, and even after that, a lot of those rules and laws have been changed. But systemic racism is really, from what I found, more the results of laws that had been in place. Right. So even if they change these laws, there are still results or effects of these laws that are still in place. And I think there's a big difference in those distinctions, because if you are saying that there are laws in place, uh, specific racist laws in place trying to keep minorities down, that's a different argument than saying that there have been laws in place and we're still seeing the effects of that. So if you want to discuss and argue and debate, talk about, have conversations about to what extent racism exists in America, um, you need to define your terms properly. You need to understand what you're actually trying to say, because I think a lot of people are having conversations saying systemic racism doesn't exist. And what they're actually thinking they're saying is that systematic racism doesn't exist, that there aren't laws in place anymore. But then the people arguing back, how can you say that that systemic racism doesn't exist? They're talking about effects of laws that have changed. Now, I could be wrong in what people are saying. I can't speak for everybody. Some people might actually think that there are laws in place right now that they want to overturn and they want to change. And And honestly, if there are laws that you think are in place right now that need to be changed, that are racist laws, then they need to be identified and they need to we need to come up with a plan to how to overturn them. But if you're just talking about the effects of laws that had been in place that have been corrected, but we're still seeing the effects of that, then that's a different conversation. And I think people that then argue against systemic racism need to define what they're talking about, if that makes sense. So I just want to address that because I think 
that's another thing that gets confusing on who's talking about what and how can people so vehemently say systemic racism doesn't does or doesn't exist when they don't actually know what they're talking about and they don't actually define that term systemic racism so before you have a conversation before you make a statement that that does or doesn't exist then i think you need to define what you're talking about when you say those words so then my final final thoughts just really want to drive home stick home if you listen to these podcasts this is what i want you to take away from this podcast from the 20 episodes from everything i've said everything i've done three things educate yourself so research read watch videos and talk to people most importantly talk to people it's great to read and watch documentaries and learn the history and all that but if you're not getting the information from people that's a much better way to learn people's stories what people have experienced what they're actually going through uh, is way better than anything you can read in a book. And that's my second point, main takeaway, start conversations. If if you don't have people in your life that look different than you, think different than you, talk different than you, act different than you, then expand your circles. Find people in your lives that, that look different than you, that talk different than you, that believe different than you, that vote different than you. Um, expand your circles. I'm not saying you got to be best friends with people that you disagree with. I'm just saying you should have people in your lives that you don't agree with 100%. You should have people in your lives that you don't look like. I don't care if you're white, black, Asian, Mexican, male, female, whatever it is, you should have people in your life with different perspectives. And then part of that starting conversations is start conversations, having real meaningful conversations with the people that are in your life. You probably have black people, minorities, people that don't look like you, think like you, in your life, whether it's family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, talk to them. Have a conversation. Have a meaningful conversation. Part of uh, the, a lot of the conversations in this podcast that I had were, were people in my life that I'm close with, but I've never had these kind of conversations with. I haven't had racial conversations like this with uh, that often. I really haven't. Like serious conversations about race and about um, what racism looks like in America in 2020. I haven't had a lot of those conversations. Yes, they can be very uncomfortable, um, but that's okay. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Have these conversations. Uh, that is something that every single one of us can do. Um, you know, after the death of George Floyd, people talked about, okay, what can I do? Um, this is what you can do. Educate yourself. Start conversations. And then have empathy. And I, I really believe that having these conversations Starting these conversations will help give you empathy, but put yourself in someone else's shoes. Put yourself in, if you are white, put yourself in the shoes of a minority. What's it like to be the only person that looks like you in a room? What's it like when everybody else in the room is in your outgroup and you look around and you don't see anybody that looks like you? Try it. Put yourself in those shoes. Um, ask somebody. Have a, I mean, get to know someone first. Don't just walk up to a random black person on the street and say hey what's it like to be black like don't do that that's weird um and might get yourself in trouble but but really putting yourself in other shoes and then not just uh, black people but but maybe you know other minorities asian hispanic people from other countries right one of the one of the podcasts was to one day talk to somebody from france and find out what it's like you know she talked about her biggest struggle was actually 
not knowing English as well and the language she didn't use a whole lot. And now she's in a country where that's all everybody speaks and nobody speaks French. Um, that was hard for her. Like put yourself in their shoes, try to think like them. That's such a big thing, especially for Christians, man. Like really try to see what it's like to be that other person. Um, that was a big thing, man. That's, that was a big thing for Jesus was just empathy and just loving people and trying to meet them where they are and trying to walk in somebody else's shoes. And then not just different races or genders, but police officers have empathy for police officers. Think about what it's like. Um, I was offered a ride along with the Brooklyn Park police department. Um, I did not take it because I know how difficult it is to be a police officer, especially in Brooklyn Park. Um, so I did not take it. I don't need that. But if you have a hard time empathizing with a police officer, then contact your local police department and ask if you can do a ride along. Cause I, I think they'll let you, I think there are departments, um, especially in your own community that will let you do a ride along to see what it's like, put yourself in their shoes. Empathy is just huge. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Um, and so I just, cannot stress enough empathy and and uh, really trying to see from someone else's perspective um, the power of your story the power of someone else's story uh, your story shapes your perspective and you can argue with people about I've said this a bunch of times in these you can argue with people about facts and opinions and politics and numbers and statistics and what they all mean but you can't argue with someone's story with what they've experienced. So that's it. That's my final episode, uh, at least for now. Again, I don't know. Maybe it'll be a second season. Uh, I'm not committing to that now. But 20, I figured, is a good place to stop. Um, I've said a lot of things. put a lot out there. Um, if you want a second season, if you want my opinion on something or whatever, I mean, you can reach out and have a conversation with me regardless. Um, I'm all about... I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introverted person, so I'm not going to go out of my way probably to reach out to you. But if if you want to reach out to me, um, please reach out to me. Let's have a conversation. Let's go um, grab a cup of coffee sometime or something and, and have a conversation. I'm all about it. 100% all for having a conversation. So thank you for listening. You can always listen back to all of these on SoundCloud or iTunes. Although I'm not sure how much longer I'll leave those up because I am paying not much, but I'm paying a little bit for my SoundCloud to have unlimited uploads. They might not be up there too much longer, but they're all going up on YouTube as well. Most of them are up there now. Um, But eventually they'll all be up on YouTube so you can watch them on that. That's free, so they'll stay up there forever. Um, So you can always listen back um, to ones you didn't hear or if you want to listen again uh, or if you want to tell your friends, share them, subscribe to my channel, all that awesome stuff. I appreciate it. I'm also working on putting this into a book. So I'm actually taking the conversations that I had, the stuff I shared. Uh, Jocelyn's helping me kind of put them all together uh, into a book. And um, Kevin Wired, same guy who did my book, uh, my devotional book, that cover, um, is is helping me out with some things. We're going to try some things. So hopefully we can get something together um, by Christmas is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I think it could be a good Christmas present. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter. But um, what are we, beginning of October? So uh, the next couple of months, maybe I'll, I'll try to get that together. Um, all 20 episodes, the conversations, my thoughts um, together in a book. Um, and you can buy that. Not going to be real expensive. I'm not trying to make money off it, but a chance to get these conversations uh, out there. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that book and uh, maybe keep an eye out for possibly a season two coming up. 
really genuinely uh, appreciate all of the support. Appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this, um, to listen to me talk about my thoughts, my feelings, my story. Thank you for listening to Mix in America. <laughs>